0: coaching is so fresh. It's so exciting. It's so dynamic. It's such a collaborative experience, client and coach. We're side by side. I'm not above you. I'm side by side. We're walking this journey together. I'm your guide. I'm your facilitator. I'm also your educator. A lot of the work that happens is psychoeducation, really debunking myths or providing information or Um, really helping people reverse the, the monkey mind, the constant negative talk that goes on in the mind. We all have it. We all need to learn how to live with it and manage it.
1: Welcome to Asking for a Friend, the podcast that covers all those topics you may want to know more about, but might feel a lot of shame in asking. I'm your host, Katrina Buffard, and I'm a clinical sexologist, psychotherapist, speaker, and sexuality researcher. This week's episode is sponsored by My Sexual Health, credible sexual health providers. Mysexualhealth.co.za is an online destination where you can find or become a credible sexual health provider. Stay tuned to the end of this episode to learn more about how to become a credible sexual health provider and for a discount to the Sexology Training Club. My guest today is the inimitable Patty Britton. Dr. Patty is a clinical sexologist, sexuality educator, and is known as the mother of sex coaching with top-level credentials. As a well-respected world leader in sexology, she's an academic, author popular speaker trainer and workshop leader and hosts over 40 dvds for couple sexual enhancement she's a frequent guest on summits television shows documentaries live talk and news radio podcasts and magazines such as cosmopolitan men's health and women's health and she has a private practice near los angeles and via zoom globally Dr. Patty is also the co-founder of Sex Coach U, the world's premier credentialing and training organization for sex coaching. Having met Dr. Patty in Mexico in 2019, I was so thrilled to get her onto my podcast to chat to me further about what sex coaching actually is do you have been working in this field for a really long time. You're a pretty prolific name. And I remember having a, a fangirl moment meeting you in Mexico at WAS in 2019, which feels like a completely distant memory. But one of the most, I guess, pertinent questions people ask me and that I've often wondered with regards to you was what drew you into this field and into this work?
0: Well, it, it is a long story, and I'll do my best to to make it as brief and targeted as possible um i, I it's interesting what I'm kind of feeling to share with you and and all of you who are listening is that it, it's in the DNA it's hardwired and I come from a family that was very sex positive I also am a child of the hippie generation, the love child generation, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm very out about my age and proud to be a senior. And so having turned 75 a few months ago, um, I evolved in an era where the free love generation ruled. And I had this incredible legacy with a matriarchy behind me who were all very empowered women, very sexy women, very open about their sexuality. I had a mother who was extremely liberal. My father, not so liberal, um, but it was, I don't know, it's something that my siblings and I actually talk about a lot. There was just so much openness and acceptance and and about diversity. And maybe part of that is infused by the fact that I was raised in a very diverse cultural environment. I was raised, I was born outside of New York City, uh, so extremely urban origins, and then grew up in a very rural environment in the state of Vermont, which is a very tiny state, but very diverse in terms of its values and and very much about the independent spirit. And so my career always has rested on what evolved into becoming an educator. In fact, my maiden name is educator in Dutch. Isn't that amazing? My gosh, that's incredible. (laughs) I was born an educator. And even as a as a little girl, I was always educating. And so I was that go-to person that people could tell anything to. And, And that story is so prevalent among the people that I have trained, whether they're at Sex Coach U, where I train professionals to become sex coaches who are certified, or even in other work that I've done in clinical sexology. So there's something almost organic about it, but really the, the beginning of the work that I do now and why I'm known you know, kind of humorously as the mother of sex coaching is because in 1993, I was living in New York City, obviously as an adult, and I had earned my doctorate, my PhD in human sexuality from this renowned institute in San Francisco. And I had received all kinds of certifications. I was certified educator and erotologist and safer sex educator and sex therapist from that institute. And I just felt like sex therapy and therapy as I knew it was just too pathologizing. It made things wrong. And I also was a devotee of coaching, which was founded by Thomas Leonard, the father of coaching as we know it today. Not athletic coaching, but executive personal life coaching. And so I was a follower of him and went to workshops in New York City and I had a coaching buddy. And that's when coaching and sexology really merged for me and I married them to found this new profession, this new way of helping people achieve their their sexual goals to fulfill themselves and, and in this kind of real coachy way, to be the most that you can be as a as a sexual being, as a sexual person. And so that was really how sex coaching began. I also had the privilege and the pleasure of being a very close friend uh, with Betty Dodson, who mm. I'm sure many of your listeners know. I actually lived in the baby building behind her big building for a while, for three years. And we did things together. We, we actually established this, you know, humor is a huge part of my, my life and my work, as, as you can tell. And so we invented a name for a program that integrated our holistic approach to sexual wellness and using coaching to assist women to become orgasmic and also any kind of blockage that people had around their sexuality. But as you know, her work was mostly helping women to become orgasmic or more orgasmic. And so we created a program called Shaft, (laughs) (laughs) S-H-A-F-T. <laughs> and it, and it represented sexual health and fitness training oh, and, and we laugh, you know, it was hilarious. You can imagine the logo she could have drawn for that. Actually, I think she did draw a logo. Um, and so we did that work together for a while. I was also part of her body sex training core for her um, in-person workshops that allowed women in a weekend to break through their walls and experience ecstatic orgasmic release together. It was beautiful, beautiful experience. So, you know, the evolution of where sex coaching is today really began in that integration of my background as a sexuality educator, as a clinical sexologist through the doctoral work and at a national level in the United States. And also uh, before, well, actually at that time I hadn't started going to the World Congresses, which I know you've been a part of. And so it was really the birth of this, this new huge wave, which is the really substantiating this as its own profession. And that's really the mission that I've been on for many, many years.
1: It's, it's really fascinating to hear you talk about your own journey and the similarities between us, but also the differences. And having asked this question of a lot of my guests, you are, and, and, and some of my guests have been, you know, the outliers in growing up in sex positive families. As, as you'll know, the majority of the people that we speak to, they don't grow up in that environment. And there's so much shame and there's so much anxiety and there's, never enough permission around pleasure and um, female sexuality in particular. So hearing that you grew up in that environment, it almost sounds like this, as you said, like born to, to, to do this, naturally just gliding your way into this sort of environment, this profession, and then getting such an incredible backing through the education that you got, but then working, you know, in the kind of areas that you have developing this program with somebody like Betty Dodson who both yourself and her are hugely respected and and she you know was an incredibly respected person in the field it's it's really interesting to hear your journey and and I have to tell you Patty I had no idea you were 75 I'm utterly amazed and please may I have the genes that you have and, and <laughs> that would be a really wonderful gift if you're ever willing to give it because your vibrancy comes through in not just you know the 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 expressions on your face but in the way that you're speaking about the subject one of the things that you you mentioned was this program you developed with with Betty and I wonder what that was like at that time in New York City what was the reception like were you kind of finding you were coming up against a lot of resistance or was there a real hunger to learn and to explore and to experience?
0: Well, the hunger has always been there. And so has the resistance. And we're, we're really talking about an overarching culture in the United States. And I know that there you are in South Africa and we're speaking from a global vista, aren't we? About all these divergent values and cultural norms and religious values. I could go on and on and on about values. And I think that in the very beginning, it was really a fun way to begin to define coaching for sexuality. And and that's, I think, the origin of not sex coaching per se, but it was a way of framing what Betty was doing already. So her body sex workshops were already very much in motion and in vogue. And this was a way of Maybe moving it toward a broader audience and not merely, and I don't mean to minimize this because it's huge and powerful to host 12 or 13 women in a living room with Hitachi wands plugged into extension cords over (laughs) two days and liberate their orgasms because that's what it was. It was liberating orgasm and also empowerment. And I think it's that theme of empowerment that people are so hungry for. And now it's a word that's tossed around like tissue paper. It it annoys me when words become co-opted. And I think that empowerment really means finding who you are. It all begins with the self and it ends with the self, actually. And so knowing oneself, which is really what... That kind of work was about knowing oneself at a physical level, at an intimate level, being able to look in the mirror at your vulva in the presence of being witnessed by peers and exposing yourself in a sacred energetic container and then opening that up literally, figuratively, metaphorically and energetically. And so uh, that I, I think that energy has infused All of my work throughout my whole career, Uh, I have a model that I use uh, that this isn't really the answer to your question per se, but the answer really leads me to say that I've always looked at the whole of of a human. And the whole means that my model contains the five parts of the sexual self, the mind, the emotions, the physical, the energetic, and the spiritual, and all those have to be addressed. That's one of the distinctions. And that's maybe where Betty and I were quite different, is that I began to define that energy is so important in this sexuality healing process. And so is spirit, not spirituality per se, not certainly not religion, although in clearing people, because that's really what sex coaches do. We clear people's blockages with them. We give them pathways to do that clearing. And that's what healing is. Healing is like removing the obstacles, removing the blocks so that you are in flow and you can become whole, W-H-O-L-E, whole. And so I think that starting with the body sex workshops when when Betty was doing those, which were really orgasm directed coaching, led to a broadening of the scope of this. And my coaching now, in the beginning, now now <laughs> when I when I earned my doctorate, we were taught we had a body worker training as part of our doctoral training. We we learned how to do. Uh, gynecological exams, the bimanual exam, we learn how to do physical activities that assisted someone in their their sexual wellness journey. And, and then one day, many of us woke up and said, Oh, dear, (laughs) this is maybe pushing the edge of the law. So I don't touch my clients at all. And, in fact, I rarely have in the whole trajectory of my career doing sex coaching from nineteen ninety three to the present. I'm a talk only clinician and educator. That's what we are as sex coaches. and yet, at the same time i I think that the power of witnessing someone. Which is the work that I rarely get to do. And that's really bedside coaching in a sense. It's funny, I, I woke up this morning, it's morning here in Los Angeles. And I woke up this morning thinking about a client, one of my very first clients that I served in that very building, the baby building behind Betty's mama building. And and what an extraordinary experience that was over about a two-year period, including. Designing and developing a weekend intensive for them as a couple with a videotaping camera, which preceded smartphones. Let me tell you, that was very elaborate equipment and really coaching them to break through the barriers that they were experiencing in their sexual relating and assisting them to experience the joy and the pleasure and the connection and the freedom to share their sexuality together, their sexual expression and behaviors together. And I was thinking about how much I actually miss that because we're all living on Zoom now. (laughs) You know, we're all, we don't, we're not in the room with client. Most of my colleagues and friends who do therapy, sex therapy, even sex coaching, we're not in the room with people. We're sitting and looking at a computer image of them live. So the world is really shifted and there's something so powerful about being present for someone and really holding that space in a, I use the word very deliberately in a very sacred way, honoring what is going on. And and I often say to my couples that I work with, um, you know, sex, if you're willing to put your mind around this. Sex actually is a a sacred thing. Doesn't mean you have to take on the value of making it sacred. I'm offering that as an invitation to you, I might say. But think about it. A human being is putting their body part inside another human being's body. That's really amazing if you think about what is sex. And what is sexual behavior, especially if we think about sexual intercourse um, for heterosexuals? So I I think I've gone way off on a tangent here answering your question. But, uh, you know, you've inspired me to actually talk about the power of being in the room with people, as well as observing their sexual patterns and being an advocate and a coach and a teacher for them to really experience their full sexual potential. There's
1: so much that you've just said. It doesn't matter that you've gone off on a tangent. There's so so much you've said that I, I want to touch on. I want to feed back on. And I wish we had hours and hours to delve into. Because I think we could have such a rich, deep conversation about it. But I'll, I'll just pick up on a, a couple of things. And I I think sure. the the one is around how you have viewed sexuality. And I think all too often most people are just thinking about their bodies when they think of sex. They're just thinking about one or two or more bodies interacting sexually. But when you speak about sex being a sacred thing, it reminds me of of Esther Perel describing sex, not as this thing we do, but this place we go. And that really taps into what you were saying about the spirit, which I think is so beautiful. It's so multifaceted, our sexuality. And I think when we when we limit our experience of sex to just something physical, and sometimes that's okay. You know, it's okay. If on occasion it's just a purely physical thing and that's it and you move on. But if that is all we ever do, when we limit our experience of sex to the physical, we're shutting ourselves off from, as you say, the whole and the most incredibly rewarding and fulfilling and satisfying experience and that's when I get people contacting me, I guess, when they're coming up against physical resistance in the body, physical difficulties in the body or in, and in the brain, and they're wanting to work their way through it. But there's often very much a view that it's not working. It needs to work. Can you help me get it working? This very kind of, I want to say kind of one track view of it. So that's the first. Mechanic.
0: It's mechanical. And, and we, you know, clinically, we have language for that. And for those of you who are listening, sometimes you hear this term transactional, right? Like, you know, just put tab A in slot B because we want to release tension. And I think it's it's really about the meanings that we attribute to sex and how we define sex. And um, I'm sure you know the work of Gina Ogden, who passed away a couple of years ago, one of my very best friends. (laughs) Very sad. And um, like Betty, a, a pioneer, a groundbreaker. And What I, you know, what I remember about Women Who Love Sex, one of her most important books, based on a survey she did and her work with the four-dimensional self, which is uh, uh, ironic because she and I developed our models at the same time without knowing each other, and they're almost mirror images of each other. And there was a woman who happens to be a sex educator and a friend of mine who lives in Los Angeles, Kim Ayers who was the person in her study who she deemed to be the person who could experience a full body orgasm by thinking off. So thinking off, no touch, no, no genital stimulation, no anything, thinking just in the brain. And she she prides herself on being able to still do that in her 60s. And so what is sex is really where I think we go with our clients and our students is let's define this, but you define it for you. Just as we're in an era right now where we're defining identity, we're defining sexual identity. You know, am I cisgendered? Am I trans? Am I non-binary? What is my alphabet? Am I L G B T Q I A S Plus plus plus? You know, Betty. Had a, a model for gender uh, orient well orientation that actually included an S, GLBTQ. I would I think it was IAS, and the S was for solo sexual. That her experience because she created these incredible salons for female masturbation experience, right? Mm -hmm. She saw solo sexuality as an orientation. And that's really profound if you think about that. And and I think masturbation gets such a bad rap (laughs) because so many people look at it as lesser than partner sex or um it's it's really pathologized that's where a lot of toxic shame emanates from is values around masturbatory play and i and it is play it's it's sex should be play and that's another misnomer about sex it shouldn't be work we shouldn't be working on our sex life we should be elevating it to sexual play alone and or with a partner
1: i absolutely agree with you and i think it's brilliant to add that in because without it, you also pathologize being single being on your own and being content being on your own and satisfying yourself sexually, which i think yes. so many people particularly over the last two years have really have really really felt so i'm very pro um including that as you know i think that whatever your orientation whatever your identity you should have the choice i wish this was a global um a global experience that people could have, but to have the choice as well, to choose to be single and there choose to have solo sex. And there'd be nothing wrong with that. It's not this thing that you're considered, you know, as a woman in her late thirties to be on the shelf, which I think is a, you know, really, really toxic narrative that is perpetuated.
0: But let me, absolutely. And I, and you know, I'm a, I'm a voice for women in their seventies who are, still vital and active and juicy and alive sexually alive
1: (laughs) (laughs) sex doesn't have to stop because we get older it's such a crazy crazy narrative unfortunately that yes sexual vitality needs to continue it needs to be tapped into so i i love hearing you you normalize that thank you for sharing that
0: absolutely and i do view Sexual energy as life force energy. I do have a very active spiritual life, and um, and I think that if we regard it in that way, then it makes sense. This is the this is the key, the chi, the 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 flow of our life force that is with us. And if you look at some of the science, um, certainly Mary Calderon, who founded SIKUS the Sex Information Education Council of the U.S., which is now called uh, Sex Ed for Social Change. I was the uh, was I, the deputy director at SICUS in the early 90s as I was finishing my doctorate, actually. And, um, you know, she, the founder of that organization, was someone who did sexual science research. And she's, I believe, the one responsible for talking about pre birth And that um, a a fetus is actually sexual and not going to get into all the details of her scientific research, but that from essentially from when, when the fetus is viable through death, we're sexual our whole life long. And there's just so much, again, that toxic shame, the shaming, the shutting down of our essence takes place in childhood it takes place later in life you know that the end the edges of our lifespan are where a lot of these really crippling notions come from and are addressed to
1: so you've shared so many uh, wisdoms already and I, I guess i want to delve into some of the things that you do in the work as a sex in your work as a sex coach And I I particularly want to to kind of detail the, the, the nuances and the differences between sex therapy and sex coaching, if there are any, if we can delve into that, but also to educate listeners about what to expect when they're seeing a sex coach like yourself.
0: Absolutely. Well, the differences are a little more blurred when we look at sex therapy versus psychotherapy or counseling, but there are some very great distinctions between sex coaching and therapy. And we'll put put air quotes around sex therapy. And the reason is that so much of therapy and sex therapy is in the mental health realm. And um, ICD 10 internationally, the DSM 5 in the United States are the diagnostic manuals that establish diagnoses. And what a diagnosis is, is it's really a way of saying there is either um, a, a disorder or a disease or personal distress over something that's, well, I'll just say it this way broken or wrong, and it needs to be remedied. So, what makes it so different in coaching is that we we depathologize, we don't diagnose, we don't make treatment, it's not a disease, it's not a disorder. It's an opportunity to move toward what is the outcome you want. It's based on the client, it's all about the client. What does the client want? What do you want to achieve? What are your goals for being here today is what I might say. And then what are your overall goals for why are you here? And and the other distinction that makes it so different, and this is a, a kind of a, a feeling tone about it, is that in coaching, we don't process emotions. I might have a client start crying in the middle of a talking session and she, he, they might, you know, be, oh and i'll say you know you know take your time it's okay and i don't do i i hate what people do this i don't grab a box of tissues and say here stop the crying because that's really what it means when you pull out a box of tissues to someone by the way yeah allow yourself to cry crying is important crying is healing crying is a a cleansing a biochemical cleansing we need to cry especially men need to cry. So I allow that to happen. And then I don't start in drilling down with the machinery that says, why? Why is a banned word in the work that I do? We don't look at why. We look at what happened. We look at your history but we don't hang out there. We don't take your emotions and then say, oh, let's go back to when that, when did you first start feeling that way? Oh, wow. Let's spend another four months talking about that incident that happened when you were a child with your aunt, whomever. No, we bring the client back to your goal. Why are you here? Let's allow and create that sacred relationship between the coach and the client, allow the, the, The feelings to emerge and be present and then let's bring the client back to why are they here and let's move on. That's the difference. That's a huge difference. And not going to the past. Coaching is why I chose coaching to accompany sexology and not therapy is because coaching is so fresh. It's so exciting. It's so dynamic. It's such a collaborative experience, client and coach. We're side by side. I'm not above you. I'm side by side. We're walking this journey together. I'm your guide. I'm your facilitator. I'm also your educator. A lot of the work that happens is psychoeducation, really debunking myths or providing information or Um, really helping people reverse the, the monkey mind, the constant negative talk that goes on in the mind. We all have it. We all need to learn how to live with it and manage it. So those three things of Not diagnosing, not looking at emotions and processing them and and drilling down to why did that happen? Why do you feel that way? Let's review all that and not looking backwards. We look forwards. Coaching starts right here in the present and moves you toward the future. And I just think it's such a it's it's such a beautiful breath of fresh air in terms of the way we work with clients, and I love working in that way. And so do all of the people that I train to do that at Sex Coach You or in other trainings that I've offered in the past. Does that does that make sense?
1: It makes total sense. I do think I want to caveat it and say, and 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 I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this as well. But as somebody who I'm a clinical sexologist and a psychotherapist, and obviously I offer my clients sex therapy, and I think that there are clients that need that exploration into the past. They need that, you know, four months talking about that one incident or that one emotion that they're feeling and where they felt that before, because it is so so entrenched in them, and I guess I, I want to know from you: at what point do you say, okay, now I do think this needs to be transferred to a therapeutic, um, I, well, like a clinical
0: um, setting in terms of therapy. I, I just want to say, I'm, I do. I do agree I'm, so I I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're asking. This is so important. What you just said, because what I didn't say is that there is a huge, thick, black magic marker line between therapy and coaching. And the clients that a coach works with have to be quote coachable. What that means is they can't be deep in a depression. They can't be in a highly anxious state that is really eradicating their ability to make good decisions or move forward. And one of the pet peeves that I have is that a lot of people have jumped on the bandwagon of being trauma experts. I believe that trauma expertise is in the realm of mental health care. That's what therapy is for. I can't work with clients who haven't been processed by their therapist. In fact, 100% of all of my clients, which is a very small number because I run a really complicated organization known as Sex Coach U, but the clients that I work with, 100% of them are referred by their therapist. And some of them are referred by sex therapists. Now, I enjoy very complex cases. (laughs) And often, when someone who is trained and, you know, like your amazing training will reach that end of the road and go, I don't know what to do with this person, they'll send them to me. It doesn't mean I'm 100% effective, but I usually do get some movement toward their goals and toward their wellness. It's about wellness and sexual health. But I think being coachable is the essence of who it is that we can walk down the road together with. And often we will get a client as sex coaches who really needs to be referred out. One of the mantras in my book, The Art of Sex Coaching, which is the one of the training manuals for the work that I do in the world, is you'll you'll see if it were in a different colored ink and you, you know kind of flip through the book, you'd see, remember the mantra, refer out. <laughs> And, and that may be, I might get somebody who is a female experiencing vaginismus, for example, or um, dyspareunia, uh, sexual pain disorders, I might say. You need to go see this specialist. So I'll refer to a pelvic floor specialist or a sexual physiotherapist. Or we might have someone who is in chronic back pain. I might refer them to a chiropractor. Or a male who really has no drive, I might refer him to uh, getting his levels checked for testosterone from a urologist. You hear what I'm saying? So, referring out is absolutely critical. A, a sex coach, and I believe that a sex therapist or a psychotherapist needs to have a, 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 an imaginary um, database. I was thinking an imaginary Rolodex that really dates me to when this thing existed called the Rolodex. Oh, I know, I know. What that is, so maybe it, me yeah, it was like this little container of ugly gray metal with little funny little cards that had cutouts and you could move the cards over and over and over in a circle. Anyway, that's what the Rolodex was. Now we have, um, it's all electronic. So we all need to have resource banks to refer our clients out, and uh, we also need to let our communities know that we're highly trained as sexuality experts. I am a specialist, and that 's why a psychotherapist might might hit a wall, and most psychotherapists in the United States have little, if any, training in sexology you're a very fortunate person and everyone who can reach you is so fortunate that you have all this amazing background and you really can serve their needs. Very, very few psychotherapists are able to serve the actual sexuality related needs of their clients. And what, what actually is, um, Something that troubles me greatly is when I know that there are people, and I used to be a professor at a very esteemed graduate institute training psychotherapist, I know that there are people who get their licensure as psychotherapists, they start working with couples, and they have no background in sexuality, they don't know what questions to ask, they don't know what remedies or behaviors or activities or assignments to give that person or that couple. And they're doing what they think is an adequate job with the couple when the issue, maybe their sexual expression or lacking thereof or lacking of desire or a breach in their trust or anything regarding behavior and they're relating sexually and they say the problem is communication. (laughs) That's just one slice of the pie. There's so much more you got to know and be able to ask the client, tell the client, and then engage the client to do on their own and then come back and talk to you about it. Don't you agree with
1: that? I I absolutely do agree with you. And thank you. Thank you for saying that about me. But you know, the crazy thing is I'm also a specialist. I, I had to go out. I'd never received any training. I mean, I, actually, I think that's not true. I think we had one, one, one and a half hour lecture on sexual dysfunctions, which that term, <sighs> I have a massive problem with that term anyway. But one, well, me too. one and a half hour lecture on sexual dysfunctions when I think I was in third year, so I was an undergrad studying psychology, and that was really a pivotal moment for me to to get into this field. But I similarly to you you know our psychologists in South Africa psychotherapists in the UK and psychologists they don't get this training this is something you have to seek out so yeah yes. a lot of a lot of our colleagues are going in so blind and so untrained to to help couples or individuals navigate this you know as you say this thing that's with us from conception to death so I I think we don't are uh, let me say it. We are unfortunately doing even the current generation of, of trainee psychologists and psychotherapists and even doctors a disservice by excluding this from the curriculum. Absolutely, but it's also on the public as well, because they're uneducated on what to look for in a licensed, accredited sexual professional, like a coach or a therapist, a body worker. They're not aware of of the parameters that they need to, to have in place when they go to see somebody. And as you will know, there are a lot of charlatans out there who do horrendous things to clients, with clients, uh, for clients, and traumatize them immensely. And they'll often reach out to me to say, you know, are you going to do this in a session like the last guy? And I'm in horror every time I hear it. But it's horrible to say. I'm not surprised when I hear it, specifically about certain people that you get to know in the in the in, I don't even want to say in the field, but in in the industry or in the same country as you. What would somebody? Do, how should somebody who's looking to see a sex coach, if they, you know, you've so beautifully and clearly defined now the difference between a sex coach and a sex therapist, and we serve each other, and we need to know when we're outside of our scope of practice, both of us, that across the board. So how does somebody know what to look for in a sex coach and how to find somebody suitable and appropriate who has the, the right licensing and the right accreditation and so on.
0: I'm biased. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I've been in this profession as a clinical sexologist over 40 years, and I am a pioneer and a leader in the world. And I know what people need to know and be able to do ethically as a professional, as a clinician, as a person who can call themselves a sex coach. And that's why I started sexcoachyou.com. I wanted people to be properly, thoroughly, comprehensively, ethically trained and prepared. I have this little um, uh, metaphoric. Way that I describe what I'm against, <laughs> because I just sort of said what I'm for, which is you need the proper training and you need somebody who is certified in the appropriate credentials to help you if that's something that you need. If you have a sexual, if you have a sexual roadblock, a blockage in your thinking, in your feeling, emotionally, in your physical behavior, in your relationship with yourself in the mirror this is such a huge part of sexual shame and self-loathing and shutdown is our relationship with our body image and then with your sexual energy or your eroticism or your spirit. I think spirit I call it the little blue flame. it's not up above it's it's somewhere deep inside you probably energetically your abdomen. And it's really like the pilot light for the stove. And that little blue flame is always there. But sometimes the little blue flame gets teeny, 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 teeny. And my role becomes to help you reignite that or ignite that if it's gone out. Sometimes you don't even know you have it. So that's part of what coaches are through the training that I offer anyway, and the Meeb's model are able to do. But what I'm against is what I call the Humpty Dumpty effect. Sex is deep and complicated. And when we crack open a person to work on that deep part and essence of self, I don't want someone committing the crime of the the children's nurse, nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty cracking open Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. He sat on a wall. He had a great fall and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. And there's an image of this egg, this egg being this person that's like a huge chicken's egg or goose egg sitting on a brick wall and then falling and the egg spills out. That's unethical, unprofessional, harmful behavior. For a human being who is willing to be cracked open to their core and our role as sex coaches, as clinicians, as however we define ourselves is never to commit the Humpty Dumpty effect, but to assist that client to put themselves back together again. Notice I didn't say for me to put you back together again. I said to facilitate you to put yourself back together again. Because only you can heal yourself, everybody who's out there listening. We're not fixers. We're facilitators. We're guides. And we create the ability for you to heal yourself. That's what it's really all about. And that means you got to do the home assignments. That means you got to shift your thinking. That means you have to listen to us (laughs) and take it in and really use it. Uh, Because I have clients who've been with me many, many sessions, and it's like, I'm not changing, you're not doing the work. (laughs) And again, work versus play, sexual expression, that really works with air quotes around that is sexual play, but there is work to be done to get to that level of being able to be in sexual play. It's actually, it's a space as you mentioned, um, Esther Perel's way that she talks about a place we go. It's a space. It's an energetic space that we occupy. So um, I I know that you you also, you, you were asking about some of, you didn't actually ask it right now, but I know you were curious about what are the most common things that are going on in the world today regarding who would need a sex coach. And by the way, the the way to find a qualified sex coach is to go to the World Association of Sex Coaches, and it's worldassociationofsexcoaches.org. That's the sister organization that I co-founded in the very beginning uh, that has a world directory of qualified, competent, ethically trained, sexologists who are sex coaches and allied professionals that work with us. So that's one way. Um, Also, I can be reached and make referrals. I only take a very small number of clients and most of them are referred, as I said, by their psychotherapist or their counselor who reached the end of the line with them and go, I don't know what to do with this client. Patty can fix them, which of course is not really how it works. So I just think it's important to talk about what are the most common issues that come up? And, you know, it, it's interesting because we're living in there are two trends that I want to talk about. And w- is that OK with you? Yeah, I'd love you to delve into that. Uh, one of them is the the sexless condition. I see that sexlessness is actually still the most prominent issue that particularly couples bring in. Uh, we stopped being sexual together. We've lost it. Uh, they're almost dead on arrival, and they want me to wave a magic wand and bring it back, right? <laughs> yeah, that's um, and, a great analogy. I don't have a magic wand. I do have a lot of skills, and sometimes I do use magic. But um, it again, it takes the willingness and the ability, and then the engagement to 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 change, to do the work, and it's risky work sometimes, emotionally and and, and in other ways as well. But sexlessness usually has a partnership in terms of what is not working with the couple, and that is touchlessness. So they've stopped touching. And and there's so much great neuroscience now to talk about the the power of our breathing, uh, the power of touch, what enables us to melt into openness, acceptance, how the excitatory versus inhibitory systems work in the brain. We have all that, but I think people have stopped touching because I have this continuum of touch that I have written about and that I teach my clients, which is don't be afraid to touch because you stop touching only because you're afraid that if you allow touch, it's a pressure to then be sexual and it's not. And so, knowing that it's okay to touch, we need touch to thrive. We need touch so badly right now in this world that we've been in isolation of. We need touch so badly in this world that is so at threat as we're talking right now today. There is a war, a world war taking place. There is another war taking place with a pandemic and the economy of the world. There's so much pain and suffering in the world. We need nurturing connective touch as human beings and the other point that I want to make before we go is that I am I, I want to become a strident voice in this world in, in my next uh my next phase I was gonna say, Hang on, uh, but you, you already are so <laughs> well I, I'm getting louder um <laughs> which is I really want to speak against the demonization of men. I don't think that men know how to be heterosexual men relating erotically and or sexually to women. I agree. Okay. And we have to stop this. I'm absolutely for the Me Too movement. I'm absolutely for stopping abusive, exploitive behavior. However, men are so confused and if we are as women heterosexually identifying ourselves and we want to be with men we must learn how to build bridges not cast them aside to their islands of shame and punishment and that's a really important message i hope i'm i'm sending out to all of you who are listening
1: such a crucial message patty so 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 important and as you say, I think we are at war and, um, actually, no, I don't think we are. We are at war. right? And as you said, we're at war in so many places and spaces, whether that's the intimate space or that is the intercontinental space. And that's, it's really creating so much tension and so much in the sense of lack of safety. And you're absolutely right, we need connection. And I see it yes. time and time again where touch becomes an unsafe thing because touch means sex. And so we just stop touching because sex beca- is, is unsafe and feels anxiety-provoking. So, so much of, of what you've just shared there around the what you're seeing in, in sex in general these days, I think will resonate with so many people. I'm going to take a little jump back for kind of the final part of our conversation. You, you had mentioned your, your sex coach, you and I've been very fortunate to actually do some training with you, which was the sexual attitude readjustment seminar. It was the second time I've done a SAR training and for any healthcare provider listening, if you want to assist people in the realm of sexuality, I don't believe you, you can fully do that until you've done this training because of how this helps you to understand, reflect on, and grow in the way you experience within your own psyche, within your own mind, sex and sexuality. So I I would love for us to just finish off this conversation in, in talking about your you know, your journey with sex coach you and what's next
0: for you? Well, um, as you know, I am also known as a mother of the SAR. Wow. <laughs> and, um, and I wrote the book. Uh, you which did. And out. it's a great book. I've read <laughs> it. Thank, it's you. Fantastic. Thank you. It's a, tra- you know, for all of you listening, it's a training manual for how to design and lead a SAR. However, it's also a pretty juicy book about what happens at a SAR, isn't it? <laughs> It's pretty good, yeah. It's very insightful. It was, it was so much fun to write it. Um, anyway, I wrote it with my my late partner, Dr. Robert Dunlap. Um, we together led over fifty SAR events around the world, and so the book is about SAR and Sex Coach You is um, you know it's my passion project. I I started it with Dr. Robert in uh, twenty ten. So we're now 12 years down the road. Dr. Robert passed away in 2017. And so I have just given notice that I am leaving. I'm stepping down from Sex Coach U by June 1 of next year, 2023. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm turning it over to the next generation to continue my legacy and my mission. And I'm actually starting a new venture, an adventure which is that i'm starting a an elite mastermind group so if any of you are professionals looking for clinical supervision and mentorship including business mentorship um, in a very small elite group for a year program that is about to open and i'm very excited about it because. It will give me a chance to dive deeply into people's businesses and how they work with their clients and share my most extraordinary cases, which (laughs) they're incredible stories, as you can imagine. And um, without identifying people, of course, because we are so careful, never, we always talk about a composite client. We, We love our clients so deeply. We always are protecting our clients in every way. So that's really what's next on the agenda. And, um, maybe in August a trip to South Africa so we may get together
1: oh my goodness well wouldn't that be absolutely fantastic I was just gonna say yes. I mean, you've run you've run stars all over the world I don't think you've run one here before though so just gonna drop that in and just <laughs> you know let you know when people it's like when we just musicians say they're doing a world tour and then they leave Africa out I'm like oh not a world tour then if you're gonna leave no, out no
0: it's not and so yeah you're right and um and and just to be clear for all of you who are interested in SAR which if you're a sexuality professional in any way you really need a SAR many of our national and international organizations require that um I don't lead them anymore I wrote the book to really create a training manual so others could replicate this effective and successful model And I've trained what I call my A-team, and that's who you met. And those two amazing sexologists are actually now leading SAR online. So virtually anybody can be part of SAR, our our model. And that I think the website is scuvirtualsar.com, so you can check it out. And um, we always welcome new people to come into that family, because once you do a SAR, you're different. You're really different. You've you've clarified your values. You know who you are. You know who maybe you want to be even personally. It's it's really for you personally so that you can be a better container for clients. It's a beautiful experience.
1: It really is. And as a clinical sexologist, I, I had to do that as part of my training and, and I have to have done it in order to get my accreditation, but I have done one recently again, after kind of 10 years since I trained and I will do one again, probably in 10 years time, because yes. I cannot express to any healthcare provider or, or any coach or any clinician who wants to work in the field of sexuality, how, paramount this is for the work that we do and, and and I'm so grateful Patty that you put this together that uh you have a book a manual which I I actually I actually gifted to Elna Rudolph um once um I can't remember and she, I think it was her birthday and I gave her your book and she just said, she sent me a WhatsApp message and she was like you just get me don't you <laughs> so you know it's 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 um it's been something you your work has been something in my life for a long time but I'm so grateful that my listeners have had an opportunity to learn from you but you've been very generous in offering my listeners as well your free ebook on sexual pleasure could you just tell my listeners what it is that they have access to
0: yes it's called for her pleasure and actually uh many years ago I made a Three DVD program uh, on the ancient teachings of the Kama Sutra for a modern world. And I am the doctor on duty at lovingsex.com, which is the Alexander Institute. I've hosted over 40 programs. And this is for couples sexual enhancement. So it it the ebook evolved out of that and it's about pleasuring her first. And it's just a fun little ebook. So I know all of you will enjoy it and you'll see where the URL is to pop over and, and take advantage of that.
1: You're incredibly generous with your time, with your resources. And it's been such a pleasure to to share this conversation with you, Patty. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, I really enjoyed talking with you. You're doing great work and congratulations to all of you who spent the time listening to this amazing conversation.
1: Are you curious about sexuality and want to learn more? Well, you can learn much more from me on several platforms. On my website, you can find short online courses to expand your knowledge, either as a member of the public or as a healthcare provider And if you want a comprehensive sex education that you really should have had, but likely never got, then check out my three-hour class on mymastery.tv, where you can buy my single class for as little as 145 Rand or $13. The My Sexual Health Sexology Starter Pack includes 20, yes, 20, value-packed sexual health courses that will transform the way you support your patients sexual health needs. Courses include things like Diagnosing and Treating Sexual Pain by the wonderful Dr. Elna Rudolph, who is the President of the World Association of Sexual Health, and courses in Ethics in Sexual Health Practice, and even courses I've developed such as Sex Therapy for Treating Desired Differences, and Sensate Focus, and so much more. The bundle actually has a combined value of over $3,900. And you can gain access to all of it for only $890. If you type in asking for a friend, that's one word, you will get 10% discount on this incredible bundle. Head to sexologycourses.com to take up this amazing offer. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be grateful if you could rate and review this podcast so that you can continue learning about some incredible and fascinating topics and get the information about sex you should always have had. You can subscribe and follow this
0: podcast on your favorite platform.